Um, I, I try to get here early. I like to get here early, um, pretty early this morning, and with you know fully intending on kind of developing a, another portion of our of our study. And the Holy Spirit just was really, I think, breathing on this so much so that I put some things and some verses back in my notes um, that I had uh, had taken out uh, just to kind of clean them up a little bit. And um, so let me just say. If you, if you intend on amening this morning, you might want to get it in early. Amen. Because uh, we're going to probably get to some things here in a minute that uh, we're going to get quiet on. But that's okay. I'm, I'm anticipating that. Amen. All right. Let's go to John chapter 8. We'll begin at verse number 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We're Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Let me put the brakes on right here, okay? Don't, don't way overthink this, okay? Um, because there's not a human being on planet earth that hasn't committed sin and, um, and doesn't even from time to time still commit sin. And, um, and if you think that doesn't apply to you, you just committed one. Amen. <laughs> because the Bible says we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And the Bible says that if you say you have no sin, you're a liar and the truth's not in you. Now, he's talking about our flesh. Amen. And I'm not here to try to break down spirit, soul, and body where all that's uh, concerned. But thank God we have an advocate with the Father. Amen. So what Jesus is focusing here on here um, and again, the people that were listening to him fell into the same trap so many people fall into, into today when they read this, is that Jesus is, is trying to explain to them and to us that he came uh, to take people who commit sin and are slaves of it and make them sons of God. Amen. And, and of course, we know that we become sons and daughters of God um, by, the, by and through the new birth. So again, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever. But a son, a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. So just a real quick review from where we were last week. Last week we said um, to pay close attention to words make, makes, and made, all right? Because Jesus here did not say only that he had come to set us free, but more specifically that he had come to make us free. Now you can find in other places in the scripture um, where Jesus came to set the captives free, where he came to set us free. But his plan for setting us free uh, involved making us free. And so let me give you uh, a few definitions here, okay? The word make means to come into existence as. The word set means to put or bring into a, a specified place or position, okay? And indeed means performed action, Right. So again, I know a lot of this is review. If if you weren't here last week, there's an entire sermon that kind of covers this in a little more detail. But again, make means to come into existence. As when Jesus says, uh, "If the Son makes you free," he's talking about you know a change of existence. He's talking about making somebody something that they were not previously, something they were not before. Set means to come to put or bring into a a specified place or position. Indeed, means performed action. 
So Jesus came to set us free by making us free. Jesus came to set you free, and the only way to truly set you free would be to make you free. You see, this is, you know, helps illustrate uh, a whole other subject, um, and, and it's the difference between being and doing. And, and we put such a, a, an emphasis on, uh, on the form over the substance, are you with me this morning? We, we live in a world, and, and, and it's, it's, it's been this way for a long, long time, but it's, it's increasing. It's increasing. Jesus said in, in, in the last days that people would have a form of godliness, but they would deny the true power of God. And, and, the, and the reason that, the, among other things, the enemy obviously is behind it, is that, that we put so much emphasis on the way something looks as opposed to the way it is. All right. Now, I, I rarely, if ever, even mention politics here. Okay, um, but I think one of the reasons that President Trump was not reelected uh, had more to do with form than substance. If you're going to talk about the substance, right? Uh, more than any president in my lifetime, this man did what he said he would do when he was elected into office, right? But how he came across to people. Come on, are you with me, right? Um, and because we live in a nation that's more interested in the way things look than the way things really are, more interested in form than the actual substance. Are you with me? Praise God. And, and, and so Jesus knew that if the form of our lives was ever going to reflect freedom, he was going to have to first put some substance, some oomph to that, right? He's got to make us free before we could ever truly, genuinely live in freedom in our performed action. So this is what he means, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. In other words, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free in your performed action. Amen. Now, we see this throughout the New Testament and in, in, the, in the teachings of Jesus. Here's another classic example. We mentioned this last week, but we didn't put the verses on the screen. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, we see in this uh, passage a very important pattern, and that pattern is this. Come and I will give, learn and you will find. Come and I will give, learn and you will find. Anyone who comes to Jesus, Jesus gives them rest. And the way he gives them rest is he makes them one with himself. He, he puts within them his nature um, and, and puts within them his life. Amen. And so your spirit, the real you, amen, is at rest this morning. You have peace at the deepest level of your existence. But unless you learn from Jesus, your soul will be in constant chaos and turmoil. So notice he says, come and I'll give you rest. And then let me teach you how to find rest in your soul, right? The same is true with righteousness. Come and I'll make you righteous. Learn from me, and I'll teach you how to live righteously. Come, and I will make you free. I'll make you a son, and you'll abide in my Father's house with me forever. And then let me teach you how to live every day of your life in victory and freedom. Amen. 
So Jesus knew before it could ever be reflected in our life reality, it was going to have to be true about us. And I think this, again, brings us back to the subject that we've been talking about now for so many weeks, that our life reality is a reflection of our self-image. It's a reflection of how we see ourselves. And I think most people see it this way. I'm a slave, but I'm trying to live in freedom. I'm a sinner, but I'm trying to live right and do right. I'm weak. I'm so weak. Uh, But I'm trying to be strong, and I'm trying to find strength. Uh, I'm I'm a sick person, and I'm hoping that one day, you know, I'll uh, find healing. Now listen to me. There's a huge difference between running from a problem and that problem being solved. Seeing yourself as a slave, trying to figure out how to escape, live like people who are free, and, and, and not be found out and have to go back. That's, I think that's how a lot of people view the freedom um, that, that, that Jesus is talking about. Are you, are you with me? It's, it's almost like we, you know, it's, it's almost like we're trying to outsmart sin and escape from it. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? Um, this, I really feel like the Lord told me these specific words to say to you this morning. Stop trying to steal your freedom. Jesus has already paid for it. It's like, it's, like, it's, like to, it's like we think we're getting away with something if we actually you know, live right and, 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 and live in freedom. And, and because we still see ourselves as slaves to sin and unrighteous people, we, we live, you know, even when, when things are going well with us, it's like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You belong with God's people now. He made you one of His own, which makes you one of us. Beware of the self-image feedback loop here, which says, I don't feel like I fit in, and since I don't feel like I fit in, I am an outsider. Man, I have seen that so many times over the years here at Heritage. Pastor Lamar, I know you pastored for, for so many years as well, way more than me. How many times did people leave your church or leave this church because they just don't feel like I fit in down there, right? But see, what we don't realize is if we don't see ourselves as a person who belongs, we're not going to feel like we fit in anywhere, right? So this feedback loop, I don't feel like I belong, I don't feel like I fit in. Remember how it goes, I feel lonely, therefore I am lonely. I feel depressed, therefore I am depressed. Where what determines our feelings and behavior, right, is being influenced by our feelings and and behavior. The truth is Jesus made you righteous so that you can live right. He made you free so that you can live in freedom. He gives you strength and made you strong so that you can overcome your weaknesses. He made you healed and by his stripes you were healed so that you can walk and live in healing. Amen. So we said this last week. Amen. I don't think I said it quite as succinctly as as it is right here but again think of your self-image as the bridge that connects you or the gap that separates you from the life God created you to live so being renewed in the spirit of your mind which is also your self-image it's the bridge between what God has made you and being able to step into the reality of that place or position so so remember set is when you are actually in the position right? 
He, he made you free so He can set you in a place of, of freedom and, and, and live in a position of freedom. How about this? He fought and won your battles for you and made you victorious so that He can set you in victory above any threat um, you know, to you, to your life. Are you, are you seeing this? All right, now... I know it's been a minute since we've looked at these, but I just felt compelled to, to, to pull these out of the archives, right? Remember, I defeat my Creator Father's purpose for making me a new man if I insist on clinging to the inward image of my former self, the old man that only exists in my mind. Remember, Jesus has made, there's that key word again, Jesus has made you new, but how big of a difference will it make as long as you cling to the inward image of your former self. Jesus has made you righteous, but what has really changed if you still see yourself as a sinner? Jesus has made you free, but how can you enjoy freedom in your life reality if you still think of yourself as an addict and a slave to sin? Jesus has made you a powerful force for himself and his Father's kingdom, but what impact will that have if you continue to believe you're a weakling and a nobody with nothing to offer? Jesus has given you unimaginable blessings and wealth, but what meaningful difference will you, ex- will you experience if your opinion of yourself is poor, pitiful, and unworthy? If you're not amen and now, it's going to get really quiet here in just a minute, all right? Okay. All right, so still reviewing, right? Your life reality is a reflection of your self-image. Your life reality is a reflection of your self-image. Think about it. Your life reality will never change if your self-image remains the same. You cannot change your life reality by trying to change the reflection. It would be like trying to wash your face by cleaning the mirror. Okay? So, I'm, I'm just trying to zero in here. Your life reality is not a reflection of your potential or your desires. It is a reflection of your self-image. Think about that now. Don't you wish, don't you wish that it was just as easy as wanting it? Or how about this, or just not wanting it? But remember Paul said, you know, I keep doing the thing that I hate and I don't want to do anymore, and I struggle to follow through on the thing that I know I should do, the good that I know I should do, right? So think about this now. If, if your life was just simply a reflection of your potential, okay, well, we wouldn't call it potential anymore. We would call it realized potential, right? But your potential is what you're capable of doing, what you're capable of accomplishing, what you're capable of becoming that you have not yet accomplished, that you have not yet uh, become, that, you, that you've not yet lived up to. Your life reality is not a reflection of your potential or your desires. It's a reflection of your self-image, Your life reality is not a reflection of the life you're capable of experiencing and enjoying, nor is it a reflection of the life you want to experience and enjoy. Your life reality is a reflection of your self-image. Now I want you to think about what this means. My life reality is a reflection of, that means it's determined by. Remember the amplified version of Proverbs 27 and 19, it answers to it. It answers to it. It's a slave to it. It answers to, is determined by the way I see myself. So think, there's all kinds of different things that we're going to look at and explore here. 
And I keep wanting to get on to how we respond and how people see us and, and that sort of thing. We're going to get there, okay? But there's just some other things, personal things, I think that we need to look at and understand first. <clears throat> Let's talk for a minute about change, okay? I was teaching recently, and I, and I may have already said this in here. I'm not, I'm not positive. Just let me repeat it if I did, okay? Bear with me. I was teaching recently at the Foundry about change and about how we change. And a gentleman who hardly ever um, opens his mouth, uh, somewhere between uh, challenging me and incredulous, right? He's like, do you really think everybody wants to change? And, you know, I had actually made the statement that I believe that was the one thing everybody in the room had in common is that, is that, is that we all, um, you know, desire some level of change in our lives. And so he looked at me like, do you really think everybody wants to change? Okay. And, and so the, as questions often do, he helped me clarify the way I think and communicate these things. All right. It's, it's one thing to des- desire or want for things to change. That's not the same as being willing to change. Right. In other words, there's probably all kinds of things in your life that you would like to see improved upon. You would like to see things better. That's a desire for change. The real question is, are we willing to do what it takes to change the things that we want to change? See, now that's, that's where not everybody, you know, that's where a lot of people get off the bus, right? In other words, it's like, okay, I'll... You know, if this bus is going to a better life, then count me in. But don't ask me to do anything different. <laughs> right? You know, if, if, if we're all aboard for the promised land, okay, then count me in. But don't ask me to change my diet. Don't ask me to change my priorities. Don't ask me to change my daily routine. Don't ask me to change what I think about. Don't ask me to change, right? Well, see, again, that's, that's never going to happen right? But it's very frustrating and even exhausting when we try to change things in our lives without understanding that a very important key to change is changing the way we see ourselves. Because again, if our lives, according to the Word of God, it's true, our life reality is a reflection of the way we see ourselves. And so I've got, amen, what time is it? We, we, got, we got time for this, but I've, I've kind of got a list of things here. We're going we're gonna to dial in some things this morning, okay? And um, I'm, I'm actually, in, I'm, I'm not telling you this to brag. I'm telling you this because I need to confess it. I need to say it. I need to do it, okay? Um, the, the, my, my next book, the book I'm working on right now, is, is dealing with, with these things. And the chapter that I'm currently working on um, the title of this chapter is The More Things Stay the Same. Okay? <laughs> right? You ever heard the old saying, the more things change, the more things stay the same? Well, I don't know about you, but you know, I've seen a pattern in my life where, you know, despite my best efforts to, 
to, to see real change and lasting change in my life, the more things stay the same. And what the Lord is showing us is that the reason things stay the same is because we try to change the reflection without changing what's being reflected. In other words, if, if what I want to change in the projected image of my life, right, is back to, you know, your face being dirty and you're trying to clean the mirror, it's, it's, that's, never, that's never going to work. It's just going to be very frustrating and very tiring, okay? So I'm just going to go through some questions here, okay? First of all, do you see yourself as an addict trying to live free? Or we could say, do you see yourself as an alcoholic trying to stay sober? Now, I think you've got this already, but I want to make sure because I want you to see the problem with this. If your life reality is a reflection of the way you see yourself, and you see yourself as an alcoholic trying to stay sober, what's eventually going to happen to your life reality? It's going to line back up with the way you see yourself. How about this? I think a lot of, uh, do you see yourself as a sinner trying to live righteously? And I think I've gone on record enough times to know that my least favorite that's an exaggeration. One of my least favorite things that a lot of people say is, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. See, notice what that's, what that's saying here. I've, I've been saved, I've received salvation, but I'm still the person I was instead of the person that God has made me. But again, I think this is where a lot of people, they're more aware of the sinner they were instead of the righteous man or woman of God that they became. And so they see themselves as a sinner trying to live righteously. How about this one? Do you see yourself as poor trying to get rich? I almost want to, and maybe in its final form, um, this, this will be an exercise where you could actually, on a scale of 1 to 10, right? On a scale of 1 to 10. How about this one? Do you see yourself as cursed, hoping your luck will change? People tell me, I've had people tell me, said across the desk from me, tell me, I'm just cursed, Pastor Mark. My whole family's cursed. Do you see yourself as cursed, hoping your luck will change? Do you see yourself as worthless, trying to live a meaningful life? Remember those amens I told you to get in earlier if you wanted to? All right, amen. Man, everybody's just looking straight ahead. I mean, it's like, amen. All right. How about this one? Do you see yourself as a victim trying to live a normal life? See yourself as a victim trying to live a normal life. How about this? Do you see yourself as inferior trying to measure up? Do you see yourself as a bad person trying to be a good person? Met a lot of folks in that category over the years. 
Do you see yourself as unlovable trying to find someone to love you? Do you see yourself as a failure trying to succeed, trying to be successful? Do you see yourself as weak, trying to be strong? Do you see yourself as fearful, trying to be brave? I know and I understand there's a I'm not trying to fuss or argue or whatever, but there's this saying, you know, just do it afraid. Well, I understand we've got to face our fears and we've got to, you know, overcome because the enemy tries to bring um, fear in our lives. There's something better than doing it afraid. It's called doing it confidently. How about this? Do you see yourself as less than trying to prove you're not? Do you see yourself as stupid trying to make better choices? Now, you, you can't say that you don't if you call yourself stupid every time you make a bad decision. I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. I'm so stupid. Don't sit there and act like that doesn't apply to you if every time you make a bad choice you call yourself stupid. The devil has tried your whole life to get you to think of yourself as being stupid. Some of the closest people to you called you stupid. Puppets of the devil. Do you see yourself as a bad parent trying to be a good parent? All right, let's stop for a minute. Maybe you need a little air, okay? You remember the feedback loop? I've already mentioned it once this morning. Why, why do we believe these things about us? Because we've made bad choices. Because we haven't at times been the best of parents. Because we have felt like we don't measure up. Because we have felt like we, all these things, right? We've done things. We've felt certain ways. And, 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 things that we should have done to, be, to have been a better parent, we're now letting that behavior tell us, see, you're not a good parent. You're a bad parent. But you need to try to do better. See, as long as you see yourself as a bad parent, you're going to keep making choices that, that, and, 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 and doing things that don't measure up to the parent that God created you to be. Are you with me? You say, well, I, I haven't been a good parent, Pastor Mark. You, you know, you, you can't just say I'm a good parent. If it, who did he make you to be? Who can you be in Christ? You can be, with God's help, you can be a good parent. And here's the amazing thing. Father God can overcome and make up to your children in areas where you were lacking in things that you didn't know 10 years ago. We wind up back there. Amen. All right. I must have hit it with my hand. How about this one? Do you see yourself as angry trying to live peacefully? From time to time, I asked, uh, especially the, my Monday morning class at the Foundries folks that have been 
there anywhere from just walked in the door to less than 12 weeks. And from time to time I'll ask them, I say, anybody in here angry and don't know why? Normally it's more than 50% of the room, sometimes 75 to 80% of the room. Angry and have no idea why we're angry. See, we've gotten to where we even make jokes about this. We talk about being Irish, or we talk about how, how our dad had a hot temper, or, or my grandfather had a hot temper. You think I got a bad temper, you should have seen my Uncle Joe, you know, blah, 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 right? It's because the devil wants you to see yourself as someone who's angry, but trying to manage. Are you following me? Anger management, right? What is that all about? That's for people who believe they're angry and know they shouldn't be. And so let's help you try to live peacefully, even though you see yourself as a hothead. How about this one? Do you see yourself as a smoker trying to live without cigarettes? I, I, I've had a lot of people over the years, you know, they, they've, they've, Pastor Mark, pray for me that God will take cigarettes away from me. Like, well, I'll pray for you about your cigarette smoking, but God didn't give you those cigarettes. Right? But here's, here's, the, day, here's the day that, you, that you no longer smoke. It's when you stop seeing yourself as a smoker. How about this? Do you see yourself as a quitter trying to follow through? Maybe I should have placed that somewhere else. Quitting smoking, obviously, is a good thing. I mean, like, quitter, like... You hardly ever finish anything. Do you see yourself as inadequate trying to prove you're not? Do you see yourself as a doubter trying to live by faith? How about this one? Do you see yourself as a worrier trying to live in peace? You ever had anybody brag to you about what a champion worrier they are? I'm a worrier, man, I am a worrier. My mama was a worrier, and I'm a worrier. It's just worrying just what I do. It's because I care so much, though. Yeah, right? In other words, we see ourselves as worriers, but fear has torment, right? So we see ourselves as a worrier, but, man, we sure would like to sleep at night or sleep better at night. Do you see yourself as not belonging, trying to find where you fit in? Man, that was me for most of my 20s. <laughs> Do you see yourself as not belonging, trying to find where you fit in? And man, the devil will make a whole cottage industry out of that if you let him, right? Nobody understands you. Nobody loves you. Nobody wants you. Nobody respects you. No, you, you don't fit in there. You don't fit in here. You don't fit in there, right? Do you see yourself as not belonging, trying to find where you fit in? I used to say, I'm not proud of it, I used to say, you know, so-and-so don't want me, but they don't want anybody else to have me either. <laughs> right? Amen. All right. Now, there were some facts associated with that. I'm, that's not edifying, and I won't go into it, but notice now, feedback loop, right? What's going on on the outside of me determining what causes what goes on on the outside of me, influencing it, right? How about this one? Do you see yourself as unhealthy trying to be healthy? This is a big one for me right here. It's a big one for me right here. 
do you see yourself as unhealthy trying to be healthy? It's like, you know, I'm, I'm just this unhealthy dude, but man, I sure am trying. I sure am trying to be healthier. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make better choices with my food. Amen. What does that mean? That means I want to eat cheeseburgers because I see myself as a dude with a double cheeseburger in my hand instead of the dude with, with baked chicken and broccoli on my plate. Do you see yourself as lazy, trying to be diligent? Do you see yourself as fat, trying to be thin? Amen. Listen, I've stood in front of you at 209 pounds, and I've stood in front of you at 318 pounds. 239 this morning for accountability, all right? This, is, this has been such a breakthrough for me because I've always seen myself as that fat guy trying to be thin. And so the life reality will keep lining back up with the self-image. I'm a healthy dude. Are you hearing me? I am healthy. At 54, I am healthy. I am, I am in shape. I, I enjoy eating healthy. I enjoy exercise. Are you hearing me? Amen. Calling those things that be not as though they were. And no, I'm just kidding. Still with me? Do you see yourself as a loser trying to be a winner? Do you see yourself as someone held back by circumstances trying to overcome? Do you see yourself as inferior? trying to measure up. Now, we're going to we're going to change the wording, okay? Do you see yourself as free, righteous, and valuable? Do you see yourself as having value to God and others? Do you see yourself as someone God has made a good person? You see the difference here? Right? You will never live freely, righteously, and meaningfully if you never see yourself as free, righteous, and valuable. And to the extent that you do, to that extent you will. Do you see yourself as lovable, successful, strong, and brave? Do you see yourself as having what it takes? Do you see yourself as intelligent, wise, and makes good choices with the Lord's help? If not, think about why you may not see yourself in these ways. Do you see yourself as an even-tempered, level-headed peacemaker? Come on now. Do you see yourself as a non-smoker? Do you see yourself as someone who finishes what you start? Do you see yourself as a believer, as someone who believes and is strong in faith? Do you see yourself as someone who trusts God and has inward peace and rest because of God's love and care for you? Do you see yourself as a good parent? Do you see yourself as someone who knows where you belong and understands the value you bring to any relationship or assignment? Think about that for a moment. This is huge right here. Do you see yourself as someone Jesus has made whole? The devil's tried your whole life to get you to see yourself as someone who's broken. 
want you to see yourself as broken. They're not biblical songs, but you can hear a lot of them on Christian radio these days about how broken we all are. Do you see yourself as being genuine? I think a lot of people see themselves as a poser, as as phony, trying to be genuine. Do you see yourself as being genuine? Do you see yourself as a healthy person living a healthy life? Do you see yourself as diligent and focused? Do you see yourself as a winner? Do you see yourself as someone with self-control? Do you see yourself as someone with tremendous, even otherworldly potential? Do you expect more from life than what you can produce on your own? Man, that one right there, when the Lord spoke that to me right there, right? See, we struggle to expect in our lives what we're able to produce. And that's not even what we are supposed to be doing as born-again believers. Listen to me. I did not come into this pulpit this morning expecting only what I might be able to produce. I came here expecting for God to do in me and through me and in you and through you more than I can produce and more than you can produce. I'm expecting Him to work in our lives this morning. Do you see yourself as someone created again by God according to Himself? Do you see yourself as someone possessing the life and nature of God? Do you see yourself as blessed? Amen. Do you see yourself as blessed or do you see yourself as as somebody who's cursed trying to live blessed? My friend, if you're a born-again person, The curse has been taken off of you. And the blessing of Abraham has been placed upon you. But your life reality will still reflect a curse if you have an image of yourself as someone who is cursed. Singers, musicians, come on, please. So many times we we try to change the reality of our lives, right, by changing the projected image. I know I've said this so many times, and you're going to hear me say it more and in different ways as we move forward. If we're going to put off the conduct and quality of life that belongs to the old man and put on, step into, be set in place. Remember, set means to be put into the place or position of our birthright as the offspring of God and and live up to and fulfill and realize our potential. Put off the old quality of life and conduct and put on the new quality of life and the new conduct Be renewed, he says, in the spirit of your mind, Ephesians 4.23, is how we effectively do that. It's how we 
When I say practically do that, again, so much of what we understand about these things, we understand in theory, it's, it's, it's philosophy, it's, it's ideology, it's what well, it would be nice if that was to ever happen in my life kind of approach to these things. What we're, what we're talking about right now, and I, you know, I was thinking back on all the sermons that I've been so blessed to, to preach, and if there has ever been, listen to me please, if there has ever been a sermon that was more like a one-on-one counseling session than a sermon with a bunch of people listening, amen, it would have been this morning's sermon. I'm asking all of us very personal, very intentional, very private even questions about our individual lives. But again, that's why I wasn't, don't amen. It's not a time, you know, do you see yourself as a loser? So be it, amen. No, again, that's not appropriate. But I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading us to get down to the nitty-gritty, if you will, of these things. It, you know, again, how, how do we see ourselves in light of all of this, this list? And did you notice how certain ones of them stung a little more than others? Again, that's areas where the enemy, through circumstances, situations... Listen, I know some of your stories. There are people that if you wanted to live the rest of your life seeing yourself as a victim, you've got plenty of fodder from the enemy. You've got plenty of, of, of negative experiences in your life to support that self-image. The only thing is, it's, it's not your true image. It's not, I'm not trying to minimize, listen to me please, if you're here this morning and you're dealing with things in your physical body, I'm not trying to minimize that by telling you by his stripes you were healed. But the enemy's trying really, really hard to get you and me to see ourselves as unhealthy people, cursed people, hoping our luck will change. No, 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 no. We're blessed. Amen? All right, stand with me this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for these, your precious sheep. Father, we are the sheep of your pastor. You, you, pastor, you, you are, Jesus, you are the great shepherd. And how you love us and how you care for us. You're the one who loves the sheep so much that you leave the 99 to go find the one. There's no such thing as an acceptable loss. There's no such thing as 99 out of 100 is good enough, Lord. It's because you know each one of us individually. You know each one of us personally. You knew us before we were ever formed in our mother's womb. You loved us and gave us purpose and grace in Christ Jesus before we ever breathed oxygen in this earth's atmosphere. You set your love upon us eons and ages before we ever were given birth to by our moms. And so it's that passionate emotional connection that you have with each one of us behind the price that you paid. Father, it's, it's not robbery for us to acknowledge what you've done for it. We're not stealing anything. We're not, we're not taking anything that, that, that doesn't belong to us, Lord. It's, it's ours. It's the children's bread. 
and we're your children. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Look at, look at me for a minute. Look at me for a minute. Do you remember the woman? She crawled through the crowd and she was going to sneak a healing? Keith Moore says it this way. The power of God flows to faith. It, when she grabbed hold of him, the power of God flowed from Jesus into her and made her whole. She was going to sneak in there, pickpocket a healing from Jesus, and slip back into her house and live the rest of her life healed without anybody knowing it except for Jesus called her out on it, didn't he? But he didn't rebuke her. He didn't chastise her. Why? Because he said it, he said it in another place. He said, it's the children's bread. Come and get it. See, we, we had this idea that somehow, you know, well, I hate to ask. I hate to do I, I borrowed a tool from my neighbor yesterday, and I'm sitting there. It's, it's poor self-image. I'm like, dude, would you, I can just go buy one if you'd rather. He's like, are you kidding me? Take it, right? You know? It's like we had this idea, this, this, Father, forgive us for such a poor self-image that we think, you know, we got to make all these deals with you. If you do this for me, I'll, I'll, I'll serve you the rest of my life. If you, if you help me with this, I'll never ask you for another thing. My friend, are you kidding me? He's freely given you all things. You don't have to barter or trade with him like that. It's, it's, a, it's offensive. It's, 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 it's insulting. It's the children's bread. Can you imagine John Mark today, Dad? If, if, you know, if you'll give me a little bite to eat, I won't ask you for anything until next Christmas. You know? Kidding me. But why would anyone go to their father like that? Because of the, the image that they have of themselves, right? You're not. It's, it's already been paid for. You're not, you don't, you don't have to steal it. You don't have to, you know, well, we, we got one over on God that time. Look at there. Well, you know. Are you kidding me? No, you didn't. He, he wants you to have it. Oh, Father, help us to see it. Help us to see it, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's sing it together this morning. Let's worship Him this morning. I know we've covered some heavy things today. I want to look, I'm just asking for the Holy Spirit to just kind of settle in among us right now. And he, only He can bring to light what needs to be brought in our lives but here's the thing, he's, he never brings anything to light to shame us or condemn us. He brings it to the surface so that he can fix it. Let him fix it this morning. Amen. If you desire prayer, these altars are open for you. Praise God.